0: Good afternoon. You're listening to KFSK News for Tuesday, February 20th. I'm Hannah Flohr. Petersburg School Board will cover budgetary business at its meeting tonight. Board members will get an update on the budget process for the next school year from Superintendent Erica Painter and Finance Director Shannon Baird, including efforts to lobby the state legislature for more education funding. They plan to talk about the need for an increase to base student funding, or BSA, which is the funding for each student in a district. Insurance costs have increased substantially, which will impact next year's budget. The school district plans to request more funding from the Petersburg Borough. They'll talk about possible funding sources beyond state and local budgets. The school board will look at renewing contracts with the district's teachers and administrators. Petersburg's teachers union is negotiating a new contract with the school district. Teachers' contracts will be renewed once they have been agreed upon. The board also plans to look at a resolution that would support a bond from the borough to repair the middle and high school roofs. The roofs of the two schools were built at different times and were patched together. They have been leaking for years, and damage from heavy snow and ice two years ago made the problem worse. A repair has been on the school's capital improvement plan for four years, and two years ago it was submitted for a state maintenance grant. If Governor Mike Dunleavy funds the grants this year, much of the money bonded by the borough would be paid back by that grant. Dunleavy will decide how much money is available for those grants by July 1st. The school board will meet in the Middle and High School Library at 6 p.m. tonight. The meeting will be broadcast live on KFSK. And Campus Connection, a live call-in show with school officials, will be airing here on KFSK at 12.30 p.m. right after Midday Magazine. The U.S. Forest Service has decided where seven new recreation cabins will be built in Southeast Alaska within the next two years. Some will be on the road system in the Tongass National Forest for easier access. It's part of an effort to bring 25 new cabins to Alaska's national forests. Colette Zarnicki has this report from Wrangell.
1: Although eight cabins are eventually planned for the Wrangell and Petersburg districts, just two will be built in 2025. One cabin will be near Lawn Lake on Wrangell Island, which they're currently calling Little Lakes. It will be renamed with a Clinket name. The other site, Woodpecker Cabin, will be on Petersburg's Mitkoff Island along Woodpecker Cove Road on the southwest side of the island. Tori Hauser is the recreational manager for the Wrangell and Petersburg Forest Service Districts. She says that the Forest Service has prioritized building just two cabins right in the two districts. Every district wants to have a new cabin, and we don't have the funding to do, like, hundreds of new cabins. So
0: we do have to go through some kind of a process to determine which ones
1: are going to be most valuable and and serving people and um, you know meeting all the demands. By 2025, five other cabins will be built in the Tongass National Forest. A cabin near Perseverance Trail near Ketchikan and one at False Bay in Huna. Also, one at Signal Creek Campground in Ketchikan, Mendenhall Campground in Juneau, and El Capitan Interpretive Site on Prince of Wales Island. The cabins are part of the Alaska Cabins Project, which plans to bring 25 new cabins to the Tongass and Chugach National Forests. Through public outreach, the Forest Service found that people prefer to use cabins where there's easy access by road or boat. And both cabins will be bigger and more accessible for people with different abilities. They'll be near recreational opportunities like fishing and hiking and also have significant covered porches. Hauser says Wrangell students helped design the cabin at the Little Lakes site. We brought some
0: students out from the high school here in Wrangell, um, and they're part of um, a group called T3 Alliance, and they use drones to... um, provide us with some footage of the Little Lakes area. And um, and then they made these little proposals of how they would build the cabin in the outhouse
2: and how they would orient. The
1: landscape architects working on the project took the middle and high school students' drone footage and they're using it in the official design for Little Lakes. Besides the two new cabins, the Forest Service also plans to repair a cabin in each district. West Point Cabin, located about 24 miles by boat from Petersburg in 2025, and the popular Annan Bay Cabin at the Annan Wildlife Observatory about 30 miles southeast of Wrangell. A tree destroyed its roof last year, rendering it unusable. The Alaska Cabins Project is funded by $14.4 million from the Federal Bipartisan Infrastructure Law. The Forest Service's partner, the National Forest Foundation, also gave another 3.7 million. Jason Anderson with the Forest Service in Petersburg says the cabins that get built on the Tongass and Chugach will ultimately come down to funding. Sometimes what we find in these cabin projects is there's just, there's certain ideals that we want to meet that are really either being
3: excessively expensive or just operationally impossible.
1: Above all, Anderson says this project is important for Alaskans because wildlife and recreation are essential in the southeast Alaskan culture. We're definitely excited to be working on the project. We know Alaskans love their cabins. We, you know, our, our goal through the the project with the National Forest Foundation is to try to put at least one cabin on all of our ranger districts so that all, you know, all of our communities and user groups get to experience a new one. Anderson says that Alaska's cabin project will support the existing workforce as it will have a local economic influence using local wood and resources. In Wrangell, I'm Colette Zarnicki.
0: Three major seafood processors in Alaska have announced plans to sell off their plants or temporarily close for the upcoming fishing seasons. Trident, Peter Pan Seafood Company, and most recently, OBI Seafoods, just last month, have all cited turbulent market conditions for their decisions. Alaska Public Media's Ava White spoke with Kirsten Dobroth. She's the Alaska reporter for Undercurrent News, which is a commercial fishing and seafood industry trade magazine. She's been following this market downturn.
3: So, Kirsten, it seems like one company closing a plant would be pretty drastic, let alone three. How about are things right now, and can you give us an overview of what's currently happening? Yeah, I think a lot of people would say bad is an understatement and historic is maybe a more appropriate description of the market situation. Um, there was a lot of attention this summer on low base prices paid out to fishermen for salmon. But prices for pollock products also crashed last year. So that's the state's two biggest species by volume and value. Since then, this market collapse has spread to pretty much every species Black cod, for instance, is typically one of the more lucrative dollar per pound fish caught in Alaska, and prices were so low at the end of last year that processors weren't even buying it. And I should clarify that by prices, I'm referring to both the dockside price paid to fishermen and the wholesale price paid to processors. So no one is really safe here, and both sides are hurting. Wow. So it seems like this is all pretty encompassing. Why is this happening? that's a good question and there's a plethora of answers most of them come down to global market conditions inflation and the pandemic fundamentally changed consumer spending habits and at the same time made it more expensive for fishermen and processors to operate trade conditions have also changed with china and a strong us dollar has made it harder to sell alaska seafood products in places like japan which is traditionally a bigger buyer The amount of Russian seafood products in the market has gotten a lot of attention. High interest rates have also hit processors particularly hard. And then there's just a lot of supply out there. So basic supply and demand. You have these tough market conditions and a lot of products sitting in cold storage that's just getting harder to sell. And now processing facilities are closing or being sold. So what happens to to these communities that are losing plants or have large fishing fleets? Right. Well, I think in the short term, they'll be looking at how to keep people working in Kodiak, where I live, Trident's plant, which the company has said it will sell, employs hundreds of people. Many of them live here year round. And then boats that sell to Trident, where do they bring fish, especially if other companies are also struggling financially Peter Pan seafood company announced last month that its plant in King Cove won't open for winter and city officials there told me they're expecting a hit to fish landing taxes, which make up more than half their general fund budget. But I think it's also really important to zoom out on this. Alaska's seafood industry employs tens of thousands of people that collectively earned more than a billion and a half dollars back in 2022 when times were good. Another $160 million went to state taxes and fees that year. So I think you could argue this isn't just an issue for Kodiak and King Cove. It's a statewide problem. Is there any financial relief coming their way? Well, that's yet to be seen. About three quarters of the Alaska state legislature did send a letter to the U.S. Department of Agriculture asking for more support and more purchases of Alaskan seafood. The USDA purchased a little more than 200 million dollars of Alaska seafood products last year. So that's provided a boost while things have been bad. But what else they can do and any additional support in the state budget is unclear at this point. It is worth pointing out that Governor Dunleavy's State of the State address didn't include any mention of fisheries except for pebble mine and an allusion to wild harvest. Okay, so I guess looking forward, the big question is, are there signs that the fishing industry will rebound anytime soon? I think that's what everyone is asking. I've talked to a number of sources on the processing side of things who think we haven't hit rock bottom. I've talked to fishermen who go out for seasons that either just started up or start up soon, and they're looking at another year of really depressing dockside prices. President Biden just signed an executive order that effectively stops Russian seafood products from getting into the US, and there's been some optimism in the industry, particularly in Alaska, about that. But unfortunately, I don't think anyone can say where we go from here. Awesome. Well, thank you, Kirsten. Thanks, Ava.
0: That was Alaska Public Media's Ava White speaking with Kirsten Dobroth, reporter for Undercurrent News about the ongoing seafood market downturn. Random Acts of Kindness Day was February 17th. But what makes someone truly kind? Ten high school students in Ketchikan might know the answer. Jack Darrell reports on the students who were called out of class and surprised with awards for their kindness.
1: We have another freshman
2: who- Today in the sun-drenched K-High Commons, the unwitting recipients of the Kindness Matters Award are being pulled out of class for the surprise ceremony. They were nominated by faculty members. Sarah Campbell, a K-High English teacher, presents the awards. Inside each envelope is money donated by an anonymous member of the community, though the kids don't know that yet.
1: Um, Ms. Haley, you were nominated because you include new students, and you make them feel welcome, and you make them feel safe at K-High.
2: Freshman Henry Vail witnessed other boys harassing a girl in the hallway and stood up to them about it. On another occasion, staff saw Vale going out of his way to walk with another ninth grader who was having a hard time making friends. Campbell hands him an envelope. The students were all nominated for different reasons. There's Oliver Wetzke, who is being recognized for being fair, funny, and easygoing. Or Lily Gosnell, who supports people, whether she agrees with them or not. In the three years that K has offered this award, one student has been nominated every year. Faculty described junior Bailey Albrandt as someone who makes everyone around her feel safe and comfortable. Albrandt says it's important to say hello to everyone in the halls, no matter who they are.
3: Um, I think kindness is really important because you don't know what someone's going through. So, yeah, this is kind of important to make someone's day better.
2: Freshman Brianna Gilson stresses the importance of extending that courtesy to teachers, too.
3: Smiling at teachers or saying hi to them, because I love like skipping into the office every morning and saying hi. Because teachers are just humans. They make mistakes, too. Sometimes they have hard times in life, so it's just nice to have one kid that comes in every morning so bubbly. It makes their day. I think that's one of my favorite things.
2: Senior Phoenix Bowles wasn't expecting to get the award today, which he says is how it should be when it comes to the kindness award, it's not something you generally expect to get especially if you live it just as a lifestyle you know you treat others with respects and you just have confidence in yourself and other people's ability and help nurture them and grow them and just be a good influence to those around you it's just something that happens bulls has been through four years at k-high and knows as well as anyone that it isn't always easy to be kind in high school because you know we're all teenagers and then we all you know, puberty hormones, stuff like that. We're not always in the right mindset and we're dramatic and, you know, we're all over the place. And so it's just that one seedling that kind of brings stability to people's lives, in my opinion, because you never know what somebody else's situation could be. And so having that pillar just for, you know, maybe the kid you see in the hallway once or twice a year or your best friend is really something huge. Bowles was nominated for being a thoughtful leader among his peers. After each of the 10 students is recognized one by one, they open their envelopes. All right,
3: you may open your envelopes.
2: Inside each is a crisp $100 bill. they are unexpected winnings for doing what matters in and outside the halls of K-High, being kind, trying to be a little kinder and catch a can. I'm Jack Darrell.
0: For KFSK, I'm Hannah Flohrer.